Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Thank you that it's such a pleasure, Lord, to serve you, Lord. It's such joy to be in your house. Thank you for the fellowship, Lord. Thank you that we can grow here amongst brothers and sisters, Lord. Thank you that you've placed us here, Lord. And I pray for each heart, Lord, to, to really grow, Lord, to really seek your face. For each of us, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you will bless this service, Lord. I pray for a protection over us, Lord. I pray for wisdom. Thank you that that you are good. Now, in Jesus' name, Amen. Awesome. So we are at rooted part six, which is worship, and I'm privileged to share on the topic of worship again. Um, and I just maybe want to start, we're going to go through the previous sermon that I also shared a bit on worship um, and just highlight the points that I made in that, in that sermon as well. But before I start, um, before I go to those points, I just want to elaborate that the Rooted series is, is great. But I want to really, I felt God really highlight those, those first two parts, which is um, time in the word and time in prayer. That's where we build the relationship. That's where we get the food from when we worship. Now, we can't worship a God that we do not know. Amen? We need to know him. We need to build a relationship. So with me carrying on, I really want us to to think of that. We really build that relationship when we spend time with God, when we spend time in prayer. Okay. Worship is a response of, of what God did in our lives. Okay, so to that previous sermon. So what I shared there, the first point was worship in spirit and in truth. And we are focusing on that time where Jesus went they spoke to the Samaritan woman. They spoke about, um, and Jesus said, we are not going to worship on, in Jerusalem or in that mountain, but in spirit and in truth. It's, it's a change. It's something new. In spirit and in truth is not a place. It's through the Holy Spirit and, and by the word. He, he came to, to make a shift. Hey? So it's different. It's, we don't need to go to a place. It's in our hearts. We are moving to our hearts when we worship. No? The Father says he wants to, he seeks true worshipers to worship him. Worship, worshipers that, that worships in spirit and in truth. Point number two was, we are made to worship God. This is what we are made for, to give him the glory. No? And, and I also always think of this picture where when we stand still and we are in a place of worship, if our hearts is not focused on God in that 
moment, we are missing what God wants to do with us in that moment, isn't it? We are not worshipping truly. The third point, having a teachable heart. This also ties into point one. We are made to worship our hearts, so teach us, Lord, how to worship. No? Ask him, how, how does it look like in my life? How does it look? Because it looks different. It looks different for, for us. We, we have different callings, different purposes. Okay, and the last one is worship constantly. And I like to think of this, um, this phrase. Sometimes you are the Bible, the only Bible that people read. Yeah, so it's, it's a nice way to think of it. If we go into our lives, we need to worship constantly, be in prayer constantly. If we share the gospel, if we share scripture, that's maybe the only time that person may read the Bible. Interesting thought, eh? So worship constantly. Be in a constant place of worship. So let's dive into rooted. How do we get rooted? We need to understand why do we worship and how. Eh? If we know why, we, we must do something. And how will it look like? Then we can go and do it. But without that, we will struggle to do it. So... Let's, let's focus on why do we worship. So we're going to start reading from Matthew 14. I'm going to read and tell different types of stories and take um, what I, what I f- feel that God showed me in those stories and why is it important to worship? Why, why do we worship? Okay, so Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately... He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. This is Jesus now. While he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Let's just read that verse 33 again. It says, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. If we read this story, I'd never think that this would come to worship in any way. When I read about this part, they worshipped him. I thought, why? Interesting thought. They worshipped him because he calmed the sea, because he did something in their life. 
They received a revelation. This is amazing. <laughs> so he calmed the sea and they worshipped him in that place of seeing what Jesus did. They worshipped him. It was natural. That's what happened. And I thought, how do we get a revelation so that we can worship God out of that natural response? And that is we spend time with him and we seek the testimonies that Jesus did in our lives. Hey? And how much of time is we, don't we miss those, those testimonies in our lives that we can grab and use it for food to go worship him? Another story like this is Mary and Martha, where Mary poured out this, this very expensive oil on Jesus' feet. And even the, one of Jesus' disciples, Judas, he said, can't we go and sell this expensive oil? Jesus said, no. I'm only going to be here for a little while. The poor you will always have with you. And it, 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 I, was, I was a bit confused. But Mary took that expensive oil out of a place of worship. Why? Because Jesus raised her brother, Lazarus, four days before that, or a few days before that, out of a place of revelation. This is what Jesus did for me. I can worship him. I can use this expensive oil. And Jesus says, no, don't sell this. You know, worship me. It's so important. It's, it was so important for Jesus that he took that moment and, and she, she shouldn't have sell the oil. In that moment, it was important for Jesus that she worshipped him. So interesting. We must choose to see these testimonies in our lives and use it to go and worship God. And that's the first, the first point. Why do we worship? We worship God out of a place of adoration of who he is and what he did for us. Out of a, a testimony. Yeah? To think about what did he do for me? And without a relationship, without seeking those testimonies, it's going to be difficult for us to worship him truly. And it's okay to feel, yeah, I don't experience God in a powerful way or in a natural way all the time. It's okay to feel like that, but it's not okay to stay like that. It's important to, to seek God and to, to seek how we can worship him more truly. In Luke 7, it's not on the board, but there's also this story about a sinner woman also sitting at Jesus' feet, crying on his feet. And she's wiping his feet off with her hair. Just see this moment. And one of the Pharisees is thinking, what is Jesus doing? He's, he's letting this sinful woman in his house and he's wiping his his feet. And it doesn't make sense to him. And Jesus then said, she was forgiven much and therefore she loves much. And I always thought, should we now sin more to be forgiven much, to receive grace? <laughs> no. 
But if we can be in tune with what Jesus did for us, in tune with our sin, we can, we can, ons kan soos dink aan die genade, aan die grace that we've received. If we are in tune with our sin, and how it break God's heart, can be in tune with our sin, ach, we can receive the grace. And in that, in that moment of grace, we can worship God. Out of that place where we see the testimony in our lives, hey? And the deeper our relationship with God, the deeper the worship will be. That's how easy it is. Also to tie into that, or we're going to the next point now, but I want to read us a verse. Isaiah 25 is one. It says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things. Plans formed of old, faithful and sure. I will exalt you. It's, it's a decision we need to make. But we are looking back, we're saying, for you have done these wonderful things, but I will exalt you. It's not a natural thing. We have to make that decision daily, you know, to go and follow God, choose to serve him, honor him, exalt Christ. If we are not choosing him, we are actually choosing something else, isn't it? We're moving to a topic of idolatry. Moving to what are we worshipping or what are we spending our time if we are not spending our time with God and worshipping constantly and thinking about Him. Maybe we are worshipping our titles, our family, our, our wives, our husbands. It's good things. But if we make a good thing an ultimate thing, it's not a good thing anymore. We have to yield those good things to God. And then, and obviously God made everything with a balance. So there's good things in our lives for reasons. But don't, don't make a good thing an ultimate thing. I want to read us a part also out of 1, 1 Kings 18. I'm going to read the whole part just to give the full story. Um, so let's, let's start. 1 Kings 18 verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two, two different opinions? Two gods. Eh? Two things. You are not made to serve two things. And then he says this. He says, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is, then follow him. And we, we actually are tasting something of revelation. He says, don't be lukewarm. Be hot or be cold. Because if you are going to be cold, you're going to figure out it's not going to work out. He <laughs> says, follow him then. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I even I only... <coughs> And left the prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. 
And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God. I put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And the rest of the story is, Elijah called upon the name of the Lord, and he brought the fire. And Elijah went, and he killed all the prophets. It's a hectic story. But we cannot serve two masters. And I was just reminded of how Many times we are limping around an altar that is not God. It maybe looks different in those days, but in our lives, if we don't choose God, we are limping around something that will not satisfy us. And this is amazing what Elijah did. He didn't have a plan B. If his plan A didn't work, they would have killed him. But he had so much trust in what the Lord is doing in his life. He was in sync. He spent time with God. God brought the fire. I can just imagine how Elijah felt. Not that he had any reason to feel good, but he must have been quite relieved. He would have probably died. And it's amazing to see that basically Elijah said that he knew nothing else in this life, I can put my hope in. Not even my own life. I cannot even put my hope in my own life. I can only call upon the name of the Lord. There. And he brought the fire. Poof. It's amazing. No plan B. And it's so important that we, we take on this mentality in our lives every day. Even if we don't get it right the first time, it's okay. But say, God... I'm putting everything here. I fully fog with my yellow heart. Yeah, because that is where true worship comes from. Yeah, out of that place. That brings us to point number two. We worship God because He and only He satisfies our souls. So many times that we seek things to satisfy our souls. That is not God. And we hit the wall, we hit anxiety, we hit depression. So many times, even sleep, even good things, like a wife, like a beautiful wife. If, if you make a good thing, an ultimate thing, it will destroy you. It's important. We worship God because he's the only one that satisfies our souls. This is why we worship. Out of what he did for us, we remember. And we worship him because he's the only one that can satisfy us. And I just think of the, the example of what we read in newspapers. Rich people that commit suicide, it doesn't make sense for some of us. And already when we think like that, we are at the wrong place. But money, a lot of money, does not satisfy. And we like to 
the world just teaches us different all the time. It's so important to, to fight that. Okay, so this is why we worship. This is why we step in and make time for God. Okay, so now over to the hell. We will get a bit more, more practical. Sifri um, show practical. We're going to get practical. Like, uh, so the first one, and this may be focused a bit more on corporate or congregational worship or worship in a small group maybe, even worship at home. But let's see how we can grow. Okay, and maybe it looks different for each of us, but let's take out of it what we can. The first one, we block out all distractions. Now, I know this is not that easy. I don't have children, but uh, soon we'll have some. But um, I know it, it, it's not easy always. But this is so important. If we come in here by church and I'm checking my WhatsApp, so I'm checking the cricket score, I'm checking Formula One, I won't name any names. But um, <laughs> if we either have this constant distraction, we are going to miss what God wants to do in our lives. We are going to miss that true opportunity to receive from God. Even if we look around in worship, what are these people doing? Where are our hearts? Now, this is difficult. It was difficult for me as well. Because we want to see what other people do. Okay, so focus on God. This is not about me. This is about worshiping the Lord. Né? Okay, so we block out all distractions. The second one, we prepare our hearts. This takes some deliberate action. We pray, we confess, and we give thanks. If we do it any order, but pray, confess, and give thanks, we are already in a place of worship. And I, when I confess my sins in the morning, I just experienced the Lord's grace. It's, it's so important to prepare our hearts. And we can make it practical by saying, be on time for, for small group, for, for the service. That's the biggest major point. Be on time for a service. It helps us to prepare our hearts. Eh? Otherwise, well, our hearts is not ready. But it's not ready to receive. We come in here, we have a lot of things. I have to do things at home. Baby's crying, <laughs> whatever. And then we're not, we're not focused. It's just what all. So yeah, get that, that calm, be on time. And, it, and oh yeah, it, it feels like we're catching up all the time. We're not so after us the old day. Worship already started. And there's, there's, there's one thing also I, I want to mention is, and I don't think it's, it's something in ouches, but it's important to not see church as the sermon, but see church as whole church. Like it's worship, it's fellowship, it's, it's the sermon, it's the coffee afterwards, it's the praying. Come for the whole experience. No, don't only come for the sermon. Okay. The third point, this is also not, not easy. We focus on the substance rather than the style of worship. And it, it can get odd if we're doing the same song seven times in a row. 
But focus on what God wants to say to you. We, we as worship leaders, we spend time to pick songs. We spend time in prayer to pick songs and ask God, what does it mean today? What does this song today mean to me? It's not about me, but it's about worshiping God. Eh, don't focus on the star. Don't focus on, on the drummer or the singing. <laughs> but worship, worship God. What does it teach me? What does this song teach me about God? And what does it mean in my life? The fourth point, it's a short one. But we listen to God-centered music. In, in, when we prepare, we really think through the songs. We look that it is biblical. And I'm not even, I'm not speak, even speaking about secular music. It's very important to, to be careful to what we lend our ears out to. But even worship music, it's music that does not really align with the Bible, eh? Start, start listening to, is this scriptural, is this what the Bible says, eh? It's important. Filter the music, filter the playlists. <laughs> and the last one, <clears throat> great worshippers release themselves to worship. Now, what does that mean? I don't feel tired and we release ourselves. So, and I think the Bible teaches us a lot of ways how David worshiped. David was a great worshiper. And it teaches us a few ways how worship can look like. So I, I think this, the start is by being informed how different types of worship look like, different styles. So let's go through them. I have, I got seven styles that the Bible mentions sorry, of how do we worship. The first one is Tehillah. So cool. To be led, to be led by the Holy Spirit in spontaneous moments of overflow praise to God. Look, even that one guy is standing on his hand. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> should learn that. It's, it's in Psalm 22. It's not in a weird book, it says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. That word praises is Tehillah. To be led by the Holy Spirit in your worship, to be freed. Okay. The second one, Shabbat. To shout, to address God in a loud tone or to triumph. In Psalm 47, it says, Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Alle volke klap jylle aan, tot eer van God, That is Shabbat, to shout. I, I never knew this before I did this. Yada is the third one. To praise with thankfulness and outstretched hands. Two chronicles, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks, is the word yada, to praise with thankfulness and outstretched arms. The fourth one is halal. It's not that halal, it's the different one. <laughs> to celebrate, to rave about God. I always think about the praise songs that we are singing. It's halal, to celebrate God. Thank you, Lord. Praise Him. They praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. 
to rave about God. That word praise is halal. Zamar is the next one. To make music in praise. To celebrate with singing and playing. This we do every Sunday. We make music. This is Zamar. Psalm 21. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. Awesome, eh? <clears throat> Todah. The sixth one. To raise hands in adoration. Like that first point. In adoration. As well as thankfulness for things not yet received. Amazing. Todah, to raise our hands. Psalm 50 says, Offer to God a, th a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. That thanksgiving is Todah. The last one is Barak, to kneel down, to bless God as an act of worship. Psalm 95 says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I didn't know this was in the Bible. This is awesome. So I want to challenge us with a statement. Are you ready? Okay, tell the guy next to you, challenge. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so I want to challenge us with a, with, a, with, a, with a statement. It says, do you think that when we worship in spirit and in truth, we will always lift our hands or bow down or scream or shout. It's an interesting question, eh? But I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's yes or no. But I think this. I feel if you are suppressing any expression that you feel the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart because of what might people think, then you are missing an opportunity for true worship. Whether it's shouting, whether it's crying, whether it's sitting down. If we are suppressing something that the Holy Spirit leads us to do, we can miss a, a beautiful opportunity of intimacy with God. So let's just read through these five things again. Maybe just think about how can it be practical in your life as well. The first one, we block out all distractions. We prepare hearts beforehand. We pray, we confess, and we give thanks. We focus on the substance rather than the style. We listen to God-centered music. And great worshipers release themselves to worship. 